What? 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 God, I hate being called Michael like that. Michael? What? What, Mom? I was sleeping. What? Hi, welcome to Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. I am delighted to be Mike Spiegelman, and I'm delighted to be here with Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi. I'm delighted that you are yeah. delighted. So... We're both delighted. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We are, let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube. We go by L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Go to iTunes, go to Stitcher today, hopefully, and type in L-W-F-L-M-O-Y-T. And we also have social media all over the place, including a delightful YouTube channel where we sync up our podcasts to movies. Why? Because we watch a full-length movie on YouTube with you. Let us. Uh, we want you to listen to this podcast and watch a movie on YouTube at the same time. Carl, what is that movie? Today we are watching Beware the Blob. Beware the Blob, 1972. Okay. Uh, this is what you will put in your YouTube search engine. All right. Here, I'm at uh, YouTube. The one I like, though, is called The Blob 2, okay. II. Um, let's see, who is this publisher? The Blob has two uh, eyes. 42nd Street Grindhouse. All right. So go to The Blob 2, 1972 HD, remastered, courtesy of our right. great friends, 42nd Street Grindhouse. I'm going to have to check out their list uh, yeah. and hit pause when you hit the link. And now what I would like you to do is that at the uh, we're going to do a countdown, and then when you get the single, go ahead and do it. And I'm very excited, as we do every week. Uh, delighted. What's today's date? Let's date the show. January 17th? Well, 12? January 12, 2020. Very excited to have the countdown king himself, Mr. Descending Numerals himself, Mr. Backwards Numbers, 321. Let's get ready to Brumbaugh. Paul Brumbaugh from the last week, from the last hour show. Yeah. Hey, guys. What's happening? Hey, Carl. Hey, what's going on, Paul? Where did you go? I'm, I'm happy, man. Last, I, I wanted to say one thing. I had a blast doing, what was it, last week's show? Or was it the week before, where I got to do two or three countdowns during the show? 
Oh yeah, that was, I think that was the trailer. You were so not into it. <laughs> I was so into it. I was digging it, man. Oh, well, I'm very excited. I stuck around. That was fun. I've never done so many three two like, You're like whatever. Yeah, now. whatever. Here, no, I gave you three different types or four different yeah, types. That we heard was surly. Perfect. We heard yeah. uh, sober surly, which is really scary. I worked than... on those. I worked on those for weeks in front of mirrors. Uh, <laughs> like of course, mirror. there was something else on the mirror. All right, here we go. Uh, you guys know the drill. Let's do this in three, two, one, go. All right, All right the Blob 2, 1972, HD remastered. He. He? No, that stands for Jack, Jack H. H. Harris Entertainment. Yeah, he's like a Beware. Oh. The Blob. I'm glad it gave me a second to register the word beware. Okay, so what kind of horror movie is this? Oh, the kitty, not the kitty. Don't do the kitty in. <laughs> Don't kill the kitty. Beware. They cut to a cat. So how did you think they got this cat out there? They threw him in a sack and tossed him in the uh, park. How did, how did you deal with animals back then? I just, I just watched the movie Keanu, so I'm thinking oh, about that stupid what a cat. Great movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, the little cat Keanu is so cute. He He's took so photographs cute. of like calendar months. It's so adorable. Uh-huh. So this is no, this cat is no fucking Keanu when it comes to cuteness. No. No. No, no, no. It's, it's kind a of regular a, uh, kitten house cat. You know, even if that cat wasn't drunk, there would be no book written about it. Because you want to know why? It's not that interesting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's oh. Shelly. Wow. Special guest appearances. Shelly Furman was a big deal at one time. Uh, well, he still is with me. Shelly's right. good. Larry Hagman, if you don't know who he is, and that's fair enough, he's known for two big TV shows, uh, I Dream of Jeannie during the 1960s, and of course he was J.R. Ewing in the 80s oh, in Dallas. Oh, J.R.? Wow. Yeah. Did you? <laughs> that changed my whole perspective. Who'd you, I thought it was James Gardner. <laughs> this cat gets a lot of screen. See, if she mews three times, she gets her sad card. Mew, 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 <laughs> mew, sad Did you card. have a mewing role? Yeah, uh, well, I I looked cute in the background, but I purred. No, I'm sorry, purr doesn't count as a mew. It was a non-sag uh, event uh, movie anyway. Purr really doesn't count as a mew, and I've mused about that. Oh yeah, yeah, it sounds like fake muse. Do you? Uh... <laughs> I like I just hissed at me on that one. This cat, like I, it says uh. There's nothing about harming animals. This cat mysteriously shows up where it needs to be. You don't see the hand well, pushing it. When we see, the, I I don't know, harming animals, the cat's paw was tugged upon, and you can see the stagehand's hand when really? it happens, and they left it in. <laughs> well, they have a tight budget. They had to get this movie done before the Kuplov ate him. So Larry Hangman is I mean, a famous TV director, and this is the only film he directed, and this is how I know right. about it. That's right. And it's a misfire. Let's be, let, we could be gentle about it. It's a this big... is Marlene Clark. Okay. Uh, she's playing Mar- Marion Haggis, the, the wife. She was Lamont's girlfriend in Sanford and Son. Oh, well, then I know her. Yeah. Oh, so we're now in the tent, so we must be out in the wild woods. That's what they want you to think, Larry Haggis. That's what I'm thinking. That's what director... There's a tent. What? It's inside his house. Oh. What? California, I'll tell you. Now, he is back from an Arctic, not expedition. They were building a pipeline, okay? Okay, this is very Now, I don't know if you know The Blob, 1958. I actually saw that film so long ago, and I loved it. 
1958, and this got, is the official sequel in 72? Yeah. Official? Yeah, I think so, because I think that um, Anthony Harris did own it. Um, so the when they found out that you could freeze the blob, they sent it to the Arctic. It was That's how the movie ended. They were routing it to the Arctic. Look. It says specimen. Frozen. So this, but they never, do they explain any of what you're saying in this movie? Not really. He is right now explaining to his wife, you know, he's back after three months. She's so happy he's home that one of the bulldozers, when they were making the pipeline, bonked into that. And so he's been keeping it in the freezer and he was going to take it to the, I don't know, lab or something. But she is insisting that that thing not be where their food is and contaminate it. So it's sitting out thawing right now oh so it was harmless when frozen yeah yeah now yeah. this woman uh marlene clark she was married to billy d williams wow and she was in putney swope we know that then. yeah no I, i've seen her she's also in uh Concha and hess which i've never seen i know it's a big cult uh-huh. movie and i, I see it at the library so i'm going to check it out next time right speaking of checking it out he's fucking yeah grabbing. Hello, Chester. So he's just a flat. so he's a scientist. He comes across as this like a no. delightful drunk. No, he's not a scientist at all. He's like foreman where they're uh, making a pipeline. But he and uh, but in real life, his name is Godfrey Cambridge, and yeah. he was a huge comedian, huge. Yeah, no, Godfrey Cambridge. So I I I found out a connection for this film, and I, I'm sure you have it in your notes. But if I may. He was in a movie called The President's Analyst, one of the funniest movies mm-hmm. I've ever seen. And mm-hmm. he, uh, that was directed by a guy named Ted Lister. Ted Lister was involved in the whole like Chicago, like old school improv scene where, uh-huh. where they knew like Del Close and uh, Shelley Berman. And uh, Ted Lister also directed I Dream of Genie. So he knew Larry Hagman. And this is how that film got uh-huh. together is that they kind of, they were, they were planning to make Son of Blob which was what this film was called alternatively. And they uh, got Godfrey involved. And Godfrey was a neighbor of Hagman. And they were able right. to uh, uh, connect it. But it was partially because of, of Ted Lister, because of the connection through him and the improv scene. Because mm-hmm. this film has Del Close in it. And that's another reason why I wanted to see it. Because he's really, you know, I think he's in a couple. Do you know who Del Close is? Yeah. And, well, only from research of this film. And oh. when they make the sequel to The Blob, he'll have a much bigger role. They'll do a remake of the 1958 one in the 80s. Oh, so Del Close is in that one too? Yeah, he's the reverend, and it's a big role. So yeah, The Blob was remade in the 80s, and uh, it has Johnny Drama, you know, from Entourage. So look, look, they're mm-hmm. pushing this cat in the window. This, this cat did not, we've done fish burgers. We know you have to push a cat through a window right. to get it to do anything. You're not going to wait and Okay, kitty, kitty, here, kitty, yeah. kitty. No, they no. don't work. There's there. a stagehand's hand holding the tail of that cat, pushing it into the window of the kitchen. Thank you. Got a stagehand. You can let go. What a tiny little kitty. That's she was the... in Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee. She was the secretary in that. Not a big role, but she But yeah, that's it. a memorable role, though. That's funny. Yeah, so she's Arlene pretty cool. Clark. And Godfrey Cameron's got to kiss her. Yeah, and kissed her kind of stupid. Yeah, If you were back in the day, you would know Bill Cosby and Nipsey Russell, and this is one of the guys. You see the fly? Yeah. 
they worked hard on this. They worked hard on this shot with the fly. Game. Yeah. You'll see. They uh, they must have left the camera on that for like 40 hours until a fly got there. And they're like, <laughs> slow that scene down. Um, you know, San Francisco used to have a comedy called, club called Hungry Eye. It's still run as a, as a strip club. It's in North Beach. <laughs> strip club? That sucks. Here, well, this, this scene, they're very proud of it. Oh, that, yeah. How'd they do that? How'd they get that fly to get the blob eat the fly? I don't know, and I Googled and Googled and Googled. Like, did they pull it down with a, you you know, need, a vacuum you need to alter like, visa. What did they do? Yeah. Did they, like, push a fly? Like, I can understand, like, flies will be on your props and shit, and then you have to keep the camera running, which is not a video. Like, it's so strange. Did they torture? Oh, you mean, and, like, did it, maybe they ran the film backwards? They pushed it out? Maybe? Yeah. Maybe it's, like, a fake fly. They went over to but Archie McPhee's. there was McPhee's. no orange goo on it until... Oh, damn it. Maybe they tied a string on a fake fly and put it in the goo and then pulled the string. The goo is loose. Yeah, the goo is loose. Chester, you're such a goofball. The Blob to me is like such a wonderful nihilistic horror movie because you can't question what it is. It's the Blob. It's coming for you. It's all consuming. Well, in the 58 movie, it was an asteroid landed on Earth. Right. Wasn't that in Creepshow? Like uh, Stephen King played a farmer and the asteroid landed and he touched it and he got consumed by it? Maybe. I don't know that film, oh. Creepshow. I mean, I have heard of it, but I never, never. I saw the Porter's so Look how 70s that is. I mean, I. Oh, look at the special effects. Yeah. All right. Come on, Goo. It's go. called Gravity. Crawl. Go. And we're watching it. So who's the sucker? Splat. <laughs> Splat. Now, you're going to see the paw get stuck, and they're pushing his paw. <laughs> I don't know if I want to watch kitty, fucking kitty torture porn. Look how they're is that a hand in there? It's a yeah, hand that stays hand is in the goo. It is. Look, oh, that's a hand. Oh. Now, look, you'll see his... Oh, did you see his thumb? Oh, dear Lord. Oh, I see the cat being pushed out the window. Yeah, pulled, right. Yeah, a pulled, you're right. Push would be uh, less humane, more humane. Now, this actor, this uh, Chester, who's Godfrey Cambridge, right? Yeah. He was 43 years old. He was in Burbank, California, on the set of an uh, ABC movie called Victory at Entaba, in which he was playing Idi Amin, and he went and had a heart attack and died. That's why we don't know him today. Well, I, I, the reason I tell you the story is because Edie Amin said that that was a punishment from God. Uh, well, that's great promotion for the movie, I'm sure, but it is kind of yeah. tactless. Oh, there we go. He's going to sit down in front of the TV set. Doesn't that look simple? Like, life in the 70s looks fun. You have a uh, pull yeah. cap, beer, and you sit right. in front of the idiot box. Right, and he's going to do a realistic thing in which he fights with the station, you know, because it was pretty much radio for pictures back then. Right, even right? the channel style wasn't accurate, so you still had to kind of fuss with it. Right, like the snow and vertical hold, so he'll he'll mess around. Well, she's out. Now, having... usually in a movie, we meet our hero first, but right. we have not done that in this film. I have this no film idea. Almost... I think the cat's it the hero. It follows like none of the movie rules, uh, this film. None of them. Time is a flat circle, according to this movie. 
Oh no, look out behind you. There's a plastic bag pushing its way. Now, now the, the blob, yeah, right. Now the blob in 58 was a black and white film, but apparently it was red. I thought this was the 70s take on the blob, but oh. but apparently it was red. Well, the, the DVD box of uh, Beware the Blob has like a devil's face covered in red goo. So I figured red was like sinister. Look, she's building a yeah. fucking robot. Is this robot in any, is Johnny Five in this nope. movie at all? This is nope. the only time we're going to see a woman building a robot yes. from the 70s. It's a 70s robot yeah. and we're going to have to watch the blob for the next 90 right. minutes. What about the female 70s robot? I want to hang right. out with her. Yeah. Now, her name is Carol Lindsley and she was also one of those neighbors of, uh, Larry, of Hagman. Uh, Larry Hagman. Yeah. Come and knock you know at my her door. You know from the Adventure. Oh, oh, here's Laverne and Shirley's Shirley. Can I tell you something? This I know for a fact. This is her second movie. Her first movie was Gas. Was which one? Gas. Oh, Gas that we saw her in. That's yeah, right. Yeah. So this it was Gas with all the S's at the end. Or How I Stopped Worrying and Became a Hippie or whatever the fuck. That's the... Uh, I learn to love the bomb no no you're that's of, uh... no no but they do like a ripoff uh tagline oh. like strange love so it looks like strange love man that is one this is before laverne and shirley by a lot yeah 72 and laverne and shirley was maybe 75 76 right it was that it was a spinoff uh, of happy laverne days and shirley was 76 through 82 right yeah what do you... but she would go on to be in uh american graffiti next Oh, right. That was her big, That's okay, her breakout role. person now. God, you know, I, I almost suckered myself into watching that movie again. And I, I checked it uh -huh. out and I said, you know what? I have seen this movie in the last 10 years. I don't need to see it now. It's done. Wolfman Jack cameo. Yeah. Well, I like the, my favorite of the credits where they're like, he's going to die in a car accident in 67. Good night, people. Oh. But then have you seen another American, more American graffiti? No, I have not. Okay, can I tell you a story about my brother and uh, my Aunt Ruth? My great-aunt yeah. Ruth, who passed away when she was about 100, and I love her dearly, she would take us to these movies, and the movies would not be appropriate for kids. So she took us to see more American Graffiti, and there cuts to... It's such a stupid movie where it's every year is, has its own segment, and they keep cutting to different years with different characters. Mm -hmm. And they cut to, like, 67 or whatever, and it's this woman stripping. It's a topless woman at a strip club. And immediately, Aunt Ruth covers my brother's eyes. And when I tell my brother this story, my brother Adam Spiegelman, host of Proudly Presents, a great uh, cult movie podcast, uh, when I tell Adam, Adam insists that it was me who got his eyes covered for that scene. Oh, yeah. interesting. So we don't know. We're at a because We don't know. We're in an argument of whose eyes got covered. But I, I remember those titties. <laughs> I remember those titties. Here oh, is Dick Van Hat. Oh, oh, this the is real the original blob. blob. With Steve McQueen. Am I laughing? Look how it's in color. Am I scared stiff? It is in color. So it's a black and white movie from 58. The one that I saw in 58 was black and... Well, I wasn't in 1958, but... Maybe I remember it wrong, just like the covering of the eyes. Who knows what's the real thing? But I thought the blob was black and white and this was the red was their take on it right so where would you see on channel 11 pix something like that yeah w-o-r horror movies I from secaucus new jersey 
bad movie night in San Francisco and see it. No. Oh, it was big during 1958. Well, bad movie night would only do like recent movies because we wanted people to come in and see the movie and see it. Uh, so we wouldn't really. I think you know honestly, I went to a show in San Francisco where it was it was a mystery science theater live show. It was basically bad movie night, but it was a different producer and different different location, and they did the remake of the Blob from the eighties. And one of the comedians who you're supposed to stay for the whole show, he, he was weird, uh, Carl. He actually, I talked to him outside and he, he uh, ignored me. He like refused to acknowledge really? that there was a person outside. Yeah, I, and it was just that kind of comedian politics. And it's not a pleasant experience just because it's, it's so puerile, I, I think. Like you could yeah. still be a shit. And uh, speaking of being a shit, here's Dick Van Patten. Talking. He is not a shit. I read I read in uh, crazydaysandnights.net that uh, he had a sex dungeon. That's stupid. Did he really? Okay. According, according to an internet uh, gossip column, allegedly. Let's say allegedly for the sake of our show. Okay. It's yeah. more fun to say it's definitely true. But he he showed up in a lot of like 70s science fiction movies, right? Sailing Green, he's yeah. in. Good. Eight is enough is how we know him. Yeah, we know him uh, from the 80s, the melodrama hours show. Because good eight is enough is good enough for Generation X. One of those do, kids do, do. is Larry Hagman's kid. Oh. The one who just fell in the back. Yeah, he's not an actor, though, in real life. I mean, he didn't grow up to continue acting. His name is Preston, and I don't know the answer. I guess not, because we don't know him. Yeah. Well, okay, I know, so I know that he's on. Now, um, Marlene Chester's wife helped uh, this woman, whose uh, name in the film is Lisa Clark, make those uh, 70s. It, it's somebody's birthday, okay? Uh, there's a guy named Robert Walker, and he's our first Star Trek connection. And it's his birthday in the, uh, in the show, so she made that outfit for him. Oh no! Overalls. You know, look, look at Chester. It's yeah. scarier if you only show seconds of it. So she grabs that item, sees him hurt, and she holds on to the item. She's funny. Uh, it's a birthday present. You don't want to mess that up. Yeah, but your friends being consumed by the blog. Drop the fucking present and go to the local 1970s payphone and call 911. What's yeah, wrong why with you? Is she, why didn't she call 911 right there in the house? Oh right, why there's a phone there. It's a landline. And why did she take the item she came for? Her friends in mortal danger. Who gives now, a shit? She was not a neighbor. She read for this part and legitimately got it through uh, an audition process. Watch this. What, driving right. so fast, it's going to piss off this guy. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, no. Beer cans. A lot of beer cans in this movie, Carl. How many, how many six packs of beer did each character consume? Oh, you'll see. There's beer throughout the film. You're right about that. I mean, he just knocked his car over and like he's throwing the beer. Right. Mom, he and must he be tries pissed. to get the attention of the cops, uh, and he's unsuccessful. Now I know his face and everything, but I'm not sure. Oh, you know what? I know who he is, and his the credits named his name. So we're, we'll have to be patient. But I agree with you. He is somebody that we we definitely know. Yeah, he's in some. Uh, movie we've seen before. No, wait, okay. wait is this Larry Maybe Hangman? His name is Richard Stahl. Yeah, there you go. Richard Stahl. Dick Stahl. Uh, hey, there's a uh, Hagman, right? And Del Close. That is, um, that is Preston Hagman right there walking away. 
Oh, I'm no, sorry. no. What do you mean? The two the people, the these guys with the yeah, with the eye patch and the hat and the guy waving. That's, that's right. So that, which that one's is Hagman? Hagman on the right there. Oh, the one who's waving. Yeah. Wow, look at that '70s drunken beard he got during He's having a great old time in this film. Do you do you know the story that he got like a liver transplant or something like that? Was that the story? No, I didn't. Like, because he or a kid, not a kidney, it was like a liver. I, I go, do you know the story? Okay, look, what? dark room. It turns out the light. <laughs> that is like, like rule dead. one in dark room: do not turn on the dark room light. I don't care who's dead. You don't turn on. But the photo didn't turn black. Like the photo was fine. She, yeah, he, she, it was she, already developed. This was just for the film. She didn't even knock. She just opened the door of the dark room and turned on the light. <laughs> That Somebody is balls. Be People don't understand how a typewriter works, but let me tell you something about a photograph dark room. You do not you knock on the door because yeah, people it's need the dark a dark room because you need a dark room to develop a picture or a ruin. Like that guy was developing a picture. Oh, clackers! I'm gonna change the subject. Clack 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 clack. Uh, now, Dick Manhattan my... hates. These clackers. Oh, he's got to take them. They're called knockers. So uh, they're troop seven three two. Oh, right. that's a that's a Jersey area code seven three two. Well, maybe he's from Jersey. It says Mountain something California. I don't think. Oh, well, let's see. Let's see. We'll check again. Seven three two. Oh, more clackers. This is, these are my balls. Kind of walk up a North Beach staircase. Okay, here it is. Those annoying clacking balls used in the movie were an early 70s fad called Kernockers. Kernockers. Later discontinued due to accidental injuries when they are shattered. Oh, shatter your nuts. I just remember my mother not buying them for me because it just looked like someone could get hurt. Yeah. Well, I just see my balls being hit by those. Look, so they're now Troop 109. Oh, yeah, and the internet points that out, and I didn't take that note because who cares? So, but it doesn't bother you as a, as a former voice guy. He's no, look, 408. he's four oh six. So they're not the same fucking troop. These are like Eric's, like Dick Van Patten steals children. <laughs> now look what Preston Hagman does. He just Instead uses a zippo. Of lighting the fire, you know, the Boy Scout way. Yeah, he uses the drunken dad way. That's the Hagman way. See a little Jr. Junior going on right about there. Yeah, Jr. Junior. Now, this is um, Richard Webb, the sheriff, and he's going to play a big, big role in this. And he died uh, in 73 by suicide. Oh, my God. So this movie is 72? You you love when I bring things up like that. Yeah, I like to know that somebody took their life. But first, they made this movie. And he did it by a gunshot. (laughs) Oh, there it goes again. Look at yeah, Richard Stahl. Right. He's in everywhere. Luck, he goes back them. And he's like, go and get him. Look how slow Silent Richard movies have better locations. This film reminds me of a silent uh, movie where they're like, let's shoot a scene in the park. Let's shoot a scene off the freeway. All right. They're... Okay, so it's it's a little... He believes her, but, but he wants to see for himself kind of thing. Like, Is this a day after... Now, I got to let you know, this guy's Robert Walker, and he is the biggest Star Trek connection we've had in Please, a long time. Take your time like, and let me know. Remember Harry Mudd in uh, 
Um, no, I don't remember, but please, gosh, what please. what was that film? The Best of Time. What was that film with Shelley Winters? Anyway, this guy was in a huge episode in the original series called Charlie X, uh, one of the first show, uh, tell episodes to make people go, hey, this is a pretty good show, this Star Trek. They must have saved a lot of money on uh, makeup because his hair looks like a fucking spacesuit. Uh... No, it was 1966. He had much shorter hair. Oh, wow. So this uh, is six years later. He was like this adolescent who had like psychic powers. And I know you don't know Star Trek very well, but there's this thing called the... Uh, uh, Borg. There's a guy named Q, and he's part of the Collective. And this was Charlie kind of... X was the first time we ever met the Collective. Oh, very cool. Oh, I, I'm familiar with the Borg from the Next Generation, right? Because that was like every episode. They're like, well, we got to talk Borg's to Borg's different. Like, we got to talk oh, to the Oh, you Q. mean because it's a Collective? I gotcha. No, but isn't there a character named Q on Star Trek, the yeah. Next Generation? Yeah. Yeah. So is that, is that connected to this guy? That yeah. guy right there? On... In Charlie X episode, this guy was one of the first people. It's, it was the first time we met the collective. It's, it's sort of like the guy's sort of a god. He can, you know, make things happen and change things and control things. I don't know. It's just a really cool Star Trek connection. And when you had me start watching this film, as soon as I see him, I said, "No way! No way!" That must have it must have brightened your day because this film is really fucking hard to watch. No, this film's fun. You, uh, this right. film was very good. You don't think like uh, like they just left the camera in the hallway right now? We've been looking in the last five minutes. Is there audio going on? No, nothing's going on. Yeah, it's over. the crazy kooky music. And look, she's going to get scared. She's our other Star Trek connection, believe it or not. Oh, do tell. Well, her son is Chris Pine. Oh, Chris Pine uh, who, who from, is, the, from the real Star James Trek? James Kirk in the... Yeah. In the real Star Trek movies. In the new Star Trek... Oh, the new Star Trek no, movies. I'm sorry. Movie. I said the real Star Trek movies. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Today's reboot started in 2009. Last film was 2016. God. It is Chris Pine. Okay, so the sheriff followed him all this way. Look at this. This is great direction. Okay, just put on a big light on him. No, it's the cop spotlight. Cop spotlight. Hi, I'm Officer Charlie. No, you're criticizing Larry Hagman, like you said. All right, that light's fine, Jeannie. Blink. Blink. No, it's a police's. Okay, Larry, uh, director. Yeah. So here's what I want. I want a dolly shot, and we zoom in, and they go into the sets. Yeah, uh, Larry, uh, the budget's a dollar, so why don't you just flash a light on them? <laughs> okay. Their their budget was. Uh, $150,000, which was coincidentally right. uh, the budget of the original Blob. Oh, in 1958, and, uh, they had the same budget in 1972. Now, the money difference between 58 and 70 is not so great, but yeah. the money difference between 70 and today is humongous. So this would be about a million and a half Are you blaming that on Nixon? Budget. Oh, well, here we go. We have Cindy Williams and a hippie in a drain pipe. Yeah, now what's funny is this hippie uh, goes on. His name's Randy Stonehill. He goes on to be a Christian rock star, but right now he's singing about cocaine. 
Oh, this is the Captain Coke song from the opening credits. That was not a sign. Oh, yeah, smoke some joint. He sings about Coke and he smokes pot afterwards. He's a man of the people. Now, his first album ever was actually financed by Pat Boone. Oh. Did Pat Boone know he smoked pot and Beware the Blob? <laughs> yes. No, no. This was prior to Beware the Blob. Now, what's funny is it don't, that sounds like, oh, he financed his first album, but his first album cost 800 bucks. And according to the uh, internet, it sounds like it, every penny of it. <laughs> so anyway, I just think it's ironic that he went on to become a Christian rock star, and in his past is him smoking a joint in the tube with Cindy Williams singing about cocaine. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, it looks like they're having fun, but again, like this is a horror movie about a, a, the Blob, which will destroy all of mankind, and we spend yeah. like fifteen minutes of two fucking hippies smoking pot in a fucking sewer pipe. Like, what a scope this movie has, you know? Like, uh, <laughs> this blob can't kill other people. Can we watch the blob do other stuff in the meanwhile? Well, he's, the blob is about to make a kill, yes. Yeah. No, he's, right here in this tube. They're in a tube, and they're digging the echo, the reverb right now. All right, let me, let's take a listen to the echo. See, again, they do the same Larry thing. Hagman yes, I'm going to criticize Larry Hangman. He doesn't even bother to show the, the cop walking in, but they have a shot of the point of view of the cop because he's too cheap to do anything. It, there's no budget. There's no budget. So they have to just shine a light and have them talk into the light. What is it, officer? And then later right. they'll cut to the scene to the officer. Hey, it's my improv buddy. Uh, I got a non-geographic location for you. Not now. I'm in the, I'm a character. There's a cop. And freeze. Now, listen, I want to tell you something about um, Cindy Williams. She had the opportunity to have a totally different career than she did with Laverne and Shirley because she auditioned for Princess Leia oh. in 76, and she didn't. She, she lost it to Carrie Fisher. But if she had got it, she'd be a very different person today. And that's why she never talks to George Lucas again. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hey, George Lucas wants you. Really? Yeah, for the American Graffiti uh, Q&A anniversary show. Oh, no. What's that thing coming? What, is there a blob? So now, like, Cindy Williams and Christian Rockstar are going to be going, what's that behind you, man? He's Uh, like, ah, you can't fool me. Wouldn't it be great if they had a shot where everybody was in that? Never mind. They had every... Oh no, nothing. That's ah. like that candy. Love, how ironic. I bet it was <laughs> there. I don't even think they they planned that in advance. We shot here in, in a fucking sewer pipe and there was graffiti. That's good graffiti. It's ironic. Use it. There had a large red plastic balloon as one of the ways they did the blob, and I think that's what we just saw. That looks like kind of the, the candy, like if you go to a, a seaport yeah. and they're like, hey, check out our candy. It's made the old school way. Okay, so now he waited for backup before he entered the house to find a dead body. It kind of doesn't make sense, but here they well, all are. This is nighttime. This dead body has been in the house for like since the beginning of this movie. I guess it was sundown when they... 
They never called the cops, right? Did they finally call the cops? My friend's been eaten no. by the blob two days they ago. They almost ran over that, that other guy. Oh, right. They ran over the cop. Right. And no, not the cop. On the second they go almost, around. Okay, I'm not talking anymore. Well, here's Shelly Here Berman. we have good old uh, Shelly Berman. Yeah. And it's a very funny scene. Yeah, this is this is this looks great. We might I don't know if I says uh This guy's oh named uh, the the customer's named John Hauser. I I really don't have any detail on him. John but, Hauser? Yeah, uh, Shelly. Obviously. Uh he won three gold records and won a Grammy wor- award for a spoken comedy recording in 59. Wow. One year after so the So it was blog. a comedy record. Yeah, they have a like, best comedy album. Like Bob Newhart got it. So he's a hippie with long hair, and he's and Shelley Berman's a uh, barber. Right, but he's not a barber. He's a hair stylist, and he goes, "No, I'm more of a hair sculptor." I'd like a haircut. You would like a haircut? I don't cut hair. I I sculpt it. You want a hair sculpt? Yeah. And I think it could help you. Wow. Watch the price. All the way, all the way. Don't be shy. All the way back. Don't be timid. All the way back. (laughs) I mean, what is this doing in the middle of the blob? You know, it's just being funny. Again, it's like old-timey movies. It's a vaudevillian act about a barber. Now watch the price. Let me see. Well, I. Because it'll be four hundred dollars. Some in this pocket. Uh, <laughs> here I got some more in that pocket. Oh, we can go through the rest of the pockets later on. Oh, okay. No, oh, I'll hold it. Oh, yeah, you hold it, man. <laughs> Wouldn't want to get it wet. You're no. on shampoo. Wow. It's going to be two hundred dollars, you know, for the shampoo alone. Now, generally, <laughs> I sculpt the hair before the shampoo, but in your case, it simply cries out for washing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. It's just such a great scene. He was Larry David's father on one of the Curb Your Enthusiasm shows. Oh, all right. And he got an Emmy nomination. I feeling that I am the first human being to ever touch your hair. Is that correct? (laughs) Oh, my mother did once. Michelangelo's medium was white Carrara marble. Mine. Uh, he was the Zohan's father in Don't Mess with the Zohan. Oh. He was the judge in Meet the Fockers. I've seen uh, one of those two You're not movies. afraid of water, are you? No. Uh-uh. Now, most of the time, though, you know, for about 20 years, he taught humor writing at the University of Southern California. So he kind of, not retired, well, he, he stopped being active and just did roles every now and again. Right. Well, you know, he was part of that improv scene with Del Close and all, and Gottfried. It was like, so, you know, they he, he was always teaching, oh, here comes the blob from the sink. Yep. I was wondering what this had to do with this movie. Again, it's like two people in a, in a town, in a city, in a state, in a country on the planet, and here comes this annihilating blob. Now, you notice that Del Close has this eye patch throughout the film. Oh, that's okay, yeah. It's not a creative choice. Okay. His cat scratched his eye. That is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. 
I oh, saw really? that. Yeah, have, yeah, that is out. weird. Is that weird? And I'm from San Francisco. Of, of the weirdest thing. Oh, you put it in the bluff. Oh, you make, look at the special effects. That's it. Then we're done with Mr. Shelley. That was our first guest appearance. Second guest appearance. I like Here how Larry he is again. Did you notice that the director Larry Hagman showed up like second to last in the credits of like fifty people? Those credits had like a hundred people, and he was like second to last on it. I he doesn't feel he needs to. I mean, he's doing this for fun, 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 fun. So, I Dream and Genie was off the air by seventy two. Is that right? Um, Is it because it was the sixties? I think I Dream of Genie ended um, when the sixties during the Manson assassinate killings. It was the end of the 60s? Uh, yeah, 65 to 70 was I wow. Dream of Genie. So wow. That was done. <laughs> so he had some fuck you money, Hagman. And, and well, he lived in Malibu, right? Yeah, and, I mean, um, yeah. Dallas wouldn't come along till 78, so I guess he did okay with I Dream of Genie. Can you think of some good movie roles with Larry Hagman in it? No. No. No, he did those two TV shows. And, you know, there was a reboot of Dallas, which I personally loved because, you know, I, I'm sure if I didn't know the original Dallas show, I would have never even bothered giving it a chance. But J.R. was on it. And so was that, what is his name, Patrick Duffy? Patrick Duffy. Who was the brother Bobby, who was also not Aquaman, but whatever that was called. And What are you um, talking about? And Sue Ellen. They Sue were all on. Uh, Wait, Bobby Ewing was Aquaman? Bobby Ewing was in Step by Step, the Brady Bunch uh -huh. ripoff. Did you ever see that with Suzanne Summers? <laughs> no. It's like, she's got three kids. He's got three kids. Together they can make it step by step. And oh, that's terrible. But the I'm thing was, like, they had died. two parents, right? And then they had six kids. But the star of the show was this loafer who lived in a van in their parking lot, like this do-nothing uh, slacker. And the actor who played him was, like, a horrible, not allegedly, like, assaulting people. So it was, you know, it was a weird sitcom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, this Gwen Glifford, who's Chris Pine's, Mom, she was in Satan's School for Girls in 73. Don't get me started. They would not stuff. take my kid. I was so pissed off. Like, because he's, he's Jewish, right? Uh-oh, because yeah. of blob. Uh-oh. This guy's going to survive the blob. Now, this is a Turkish guy who the internet would hardly tell me a thing about. His name is Tiger Joe Marsh. He's a fucking wrestler, right? I mean, he must be like an AA. I was, wish I knew. My I, oh, here, wait. According to Wikipedia, he was Larry Hagman's AA sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> here he is running naked. down the road naked, looking to get arrested. I mean, uh, there's some blob bad boys, in his bad boys. This is the start of cops. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? Right? Because they're you. Boys, cops chasing naked Russian stars. That would be a good sketch if we had some vehicle for it. We would just play the Breaking Bad theme over this clip. Right. Bad Break boys, bad boys. What you get? Reese. Look at yeah. Cops I am was... naked Turk. Arrest me. Crazy. What a crazy young Turk that guy is. Goes, young Turk. I'm sure you don't have any identification on you, do you, sir? Well, don't be so sure.
<laughs> in the crack of his butt. I tattooed my name on my penis. Sir, your name is uh, Lay? It's Larry. I'm just not erect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is Bobby's birthday, okay? Oh, right. Their friend dies, but she got that package. That's right. The package is for Bobby. Now, look, they never found the friend. And he's not saying she's lying or crazy or stupid, but he's like, let's relax. Surprise! Oh, there's a surprise? There's a surprise party. <gasps> that monkey. All right, so I, I, I... Broke the 180 rule there. Yeah, and he also broke the don't put the camera on the ceiling rule right here. <laughs> this yeah. is Venice Beach. This scene was shot in Venice Beach. Jesus, how many drinks did the cameraman have? Right now, they're trying to convey chaos right. and a chaotic environment because because um, Lisa Clark, uh, Gwen, Chris Pine's mom, is yeah. very stressed. She's seen a murder, and it was a not a murder. It was like some sort of monster, you know? And but she never reported it. Seriously? I don't know. Oh, not the waterbed. Oh, the 70s waterbed. Mwah. But don't you understand? Godfrey's covered in goo. Oh, yeah, she is doing that. Nobody listening to me. She was in Masters of the Universe. Did I tell you that? 87? That was her biggest film. And you know, that was our first, one of our first films uh, 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 podcast did. Oh, really? That's cool. There was a uh, Paramount Studios had a YouTube channel four years ago where they had full length movies on it for free. And okay. so I picked a bunch of them and I use it. And then if you go to their channel now, it's just like two or three minute clips of their greatest films, you know? Oh. So instead of a full length movie, it's like, it's the scene from Animal House where Bluto smashes the guitar, you know, that type of shit. Yeah. I don't know. I want to see the full length movie. Well, wow, this seems like a good party. Hey, guys, it's party so at Hagman's. So they came to this party with the script, and they ran it with everybody, and then they literally started drinking and smoking pot, and it's all ad-libbed. Nobody, including Larry Hagman, paid attention to the Not that Larry Hagman's in it, but nobody paid attention to the script after... Uh, oh, yeah, well, they're all improv dudes. They're all going to be like, I should say, sculpt. All right, this is. I think this scene, this party scene, also doubles as the cast and crew rap party. Yeah, really. Now, Robert Walker, whose birthday it is here, he was in a 1964 like cowboy movie with Walter Matthau. He was with John Wayne and War, the War Wagon. He was with Kirk Douglas. I mean, he was he was an easy rider. He um, was. So, yeah, alongside Robert Mitchum in a bunch of scenes in 69. Huh. This guy had his own, you know, he had a career. And he doesn't go on to do much after. Okay, so yeah. now he's like, wait a second, what about my crazy girlfriend? Right, the one who had now her freaked out. She was freaking out, you, so she had to leave? Did you see her? Yeah, she freaked out. She had to run away. Did you see the painting there, the lithograph by... Uh, Oh, I close the door, it, lady. So. All right, never mind. No, you did really. Is yeah, I or... sold it on eBay in like two thousand. I remember for like I bought it for you. Bucks. Yeah, that was me. I bought it at five hundred dollars. Oh, congrats! Yeah. Yeah. That was a good. 
I flipped and, it. Uh, I, I sold it for five hundred twenty-five dollars yeah. on eBay. Five hundred fifty-five. So you made yeah. yourself a healthy profit. I made, it, I made some good. profit off of that. I flipped. I flipped your That's painting a 10% on eBay. Ten profit. Yeah. Uh, you, you know. Keep that up, and you'll be able to pay your rent for months. No, but I wasn't able to keep it up, so I haven't. I haven't touched eBay in years. Oh, okay. there's a gorilla now, suit. Who's in the ape suit? This guy looks familiar. It's a favorite of our film of our. Podcast. Oh, are you telling me that? Wait, is this Chud too? Yes, it's Chud, and it's the Annihilators. It's Garrett Graham. Oh, from National Lampoon's Class Reunion. He's been in several of yes. our movies, and he's in this That's again. That's right, Class Reunion. Yeah, he was also in Police Academy Six. Graham, Graham what's his name? Like he, he's an all star. He's a L W A L F M O Y T all star. That is. That's right. He is. He was in Cannonball, 1976, another one of your favorites. Yeah, the original. The one the Cannonball Run ripped off. Now, he was a regular on Dallas, which is to come. He doesn't... Right, because this is, this is in between. Right. Now, he is he meeting Larry Hagman here, and that's how he got the part? I should say something about that gorilla suit, too, is that uh, Jack Harris, the producer with that weird intro... Uh, yeah. did produce uh, John Carpenter's first movie, uh, Dark Star, and uh, John Landis's first movie, Schlock, which wow. is basically Holy the dr- which is some guy in a gorilla suit. <clears throat> Those are two serious heavy hitters to come, and he did their first film. Yeah. Well, have you seen Dark Star? Uh, I have never seen it. Do you recommend it? I do recommend it, and I have seen okay. Schlock. Is really Dark hard to sit Star. through. It's it's tough. I've never, never finished it, but. Dark Which Star. one is hard to sit through? Uh, Schlock, Banana Monster. Okay. AKA you don't recommend Monster. that one for me. Yeah, if you can find it, I had it on. I, at one point in my life, I owned every single John Landis movie on video cassette, and that was the one oh. that I couldn't get through. But I, I love the Last one. Last thing I want to say about Garrett Graham yeah. is that he's our third Star Trek connection. Yeah, please. As he was on Voyager and Deep Space Nine as different characters. Oh, yeah. But every, all the Trekkers knew him. They're like, hey, that's that guy from episode... Right. <laughs> How can you be two people? I'm luckily not that much of a Star Trek nerd. I just enjoy... Here's more beer. Whoa, so look how much beer this one man... He does, he's definitely a bachelor. He's drinking all that beer? He's has no, to bring... he owns an ice skating rink in a bowling alley. And that's what this is for. It's not for personal consumption. Now, remember, this is the car that ran him off the road. And they're like, excuse me, mister, my girlfriend's sick. Can you let us through? And he goes, don't you know who I am? You ran me off the road, you ingrate son of a bee. Oh, that is. Yeah, but well, he... The thing is, throughout the film, he continues to bump into these two. Right, which is so weird. Where, where do they live? This is like such a silent movie universe. <laughs> Where they just shoot like a, you know right outside the studio, like they shoot in the parking lot or the garage. No, this is shot uh, in what? Is this shot in a studio lot or some guy's uh, parking lot? No, no, this is okay. Um, right now we're at the former Grand Central Bowl in Glendale, California. This, right, this scene right um, here is outside the bowling alley. In Glendale, right. All right, and. Let's see. We're in Culver City, California. Um, we are in Venice, California for the Loft. Burgess Meredith, uh, Del over, Close. We're basically 
There's Dell again. And there's there's and Larry. Larry Hagman. God, Larry looks drunk. And another Larry Hagman neighbor and a fan, a friend of this show, Burgess Meredith. Yeah, because why else would Burgess fucking Meredith be in your movie if he's not your neighbor? I mean, what point? Oh, look at this special effect. The blob is eating all the hen eggs. They're drinking That's moonshine? Right. they're going to notice that the chickens have stopped crowing. Oh, so it's time to pick up the eggs. It looks like they're drinking uh, moonshine, but they're actually pouring champagne in mason jars. They're being very hobo-y 60s stuff right now. Uh, they're it's doing... called Del Close improv, improv. Right. This is all improv. Oh, no, the plastic bags and eat all the chickens. Hagman looks really drunk, though. Yep. Now, most of the time, the blob is silicone, but you're right. I think that was probably a plastic bag that they were inflating or just pushing. They they bounced on it, they? They they send Larry Hagman off to investigate the lack of noise. So it, they're drinking champagne from moonshine mason jars. Yeah, I guess, yes. Now, which is weird, right? Now, look, this time you can legitimately criticize Larry Hagman because that's not that's a spotlight for no reason. Right. Yeah, well, look at those horrible shadows. Well, they had to get the scene lit, and they did. They put the camera... Hey, the camera hasn't moved. He's definitely the director because the camera's not... Oh, no, I take it back. There's an oh, assistant director really- on the camera. Look, Larry Hagman does a great job here being a drunk, <laughs> being a hobo, and he gets out his knicker knockers. <laughs> oh, that's a callback. They thought that was so funny in this film, all the, the knicker- I guess it was a fad at the time. Yeah, it would be like the TikTok of the day. All right. What is that? I'm out of touch, as you know. I go to these open mics and people are talking about TikTok. What is it? Oh, I'm happy to uh, explain. It's an app. Yeah, it's an app and it's a couple seconds long. And originally it was set up for you to do kind of like, you know, your crazy lip sync uh, karaoke thing where you dance along to a song and Uh it's a couple of seconds and you upload it. And then maybe there's a dance style or maybe there's a popular song, but everybody gets to do their version. And uh, it also uh, it's used for other things, but uh, so okay. yeah. So, but I, I've seen like the, the famous one for me is that this woman is as teenage girl is doing makeup tips while talking about uh, the Chinese government and treatment of, of Muslims in China while she's doing uh-huh. makeup, and it got banned. It's a Chinese company, uh, and her her post got pulled. But it's just, you know, a teenager putting on makeup while talking about yeah. real politics. And uh, they pulled that. So, you know, there's there's yeah. still a lot of good things that can happen with TikTok. Now, I mean, look, I want you to know that that is not Bud Court. Oh, really? That's Doesn't the lighting look like guy. Bud Court? No, it looks like some improv guy or some guy who's doing the lighting for the blob, too. Who's in the scene. He does look like Bud Court, though, to answer your question. I'm, well, that's what the internet says. He always gets uh, mixed up with Bud Court, and Bud Court personally hates it. Really? And yeah. Weird. And the thing is, if I ever meet Bud Court, I mean, I know this film was on his radar because of that guy. 
if I ever meet Bud Court, I'm going to go, hey, I loved you and beware the blob. You would really the guy who did Electric Dreams. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't even mention um, uh, what is it? Dreams, uh, Electric Dreams. What is that great song? Ah, Electric Dreams. Yeah. Yeah, I was saying the Flash, but the song is uh, Giorgio Moroda and Phil Hartley of Human League. Always be together, forever. So it seems. Hmm. Now, not Bud Court is uh, really his name is Danny Goldman, and you would probably know him from Young Frankenstein, that oh. opening scene where where Gene stabs his own leg with the with the scalpel, or was it a fork? Yeah, right. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Oh, okay. He goes, "Wasn't your grandfather's work? Aren't you a little bit curious?" That was. That was uh, Danny Goldman, not Bud. I remember. He, go, he calls him Frankenstein. He goes, it's Frankenstein, Bud. And he goes, it's not Bud, it's Danny. Yeah, right. It's not Bud. No, but Danny didn't care, by the way, the internet claims. Huh. Bud Court hates that he is, a, you know, people think that that's Bud Court. But Danny never gets confused with Bud Court. I heard a story similar with uh, 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 kind of a famous character actor in uh, Jonah Hill. There's a guy who does like extra work and he has a couple roles, but he looks a lot like Jonah Hill. Uh-huh. And uh, Jonah Hill is pissed. Oh, look, there's the present. Yeah, I ripped it off a dead man. Guy was this dying. This is a very, very nice scene. It's really full of love. She's had a very stressful day and she's just relishing in... I mean, to her, Bobby is just the greatest boyfriend in the world. Right. And he is. And they parked at Makeout Point. (laughs) No, they parked where Larry Hagman was a hobo just now, where the chickens are gone. Wait, they're going to fuck outside of Larry Hagman's farm? No, it's it's affection, not... Yeah, look at that. She's in love with him. That's some explicit hugging right there. That's on his neck. Uh-oh. Explicit Look out. Hugging. Now, What's, finally, finally, Gwen is going to be redeemed. Face to, literally face-to-face face with the blob. Yes. And now Robert Walker will believe her for the rest of the film. I mean, how can he not? This scene was shot before Aliens? I think somebody ripped off a movie. What do you mean? Well, you remember that scene where the alien looks face-to-face face with Sigourney Weaver? Yeah. Oh, you think that's reminiscent? Yeah, it's like the okay. blob meets face-to-face with Chris Pine's mom. Oh, no, the, we're in a car wash. Blob, right. It has totally... They're getting blob-washed. Is this, is this shot now in a parking... In a car wash? No. <laughs> Speaking of car wash, there is a car honking outside the studio. Uh. Unless it's coming from Look, elsewhere. It's coming in. Wait a minute, why would there be a car honking? It's not a car alarm. I might be from coming inside the building. Do you hear it? Go check it out if you want. Yes, I do hear it. All right. Yeah, let me go check it out for a bit. Thanks, Carl. Okay, I'll tell the audience that what happens here is they turned on the air conditioner and suddenly it got cold and the blob is receding, but they will not put two and two together that, hey, the blob doesn't like cold until much later in the film. Now, here we have Garrett as an ape man, just being a jerk, 
and, and the girlfriend doesn't like that he's such a jerk, by the way. He's wanting to get his car filled up, and he's like, service, service, and nobody's coming. Probably because the blob ate whoever's the gas attendant. So Garrett steals the gas. And their little dune buggy. Girlfriend's complaining, that's not cool. You're supposed to wait for the man. So now Garrett goes in there. Somebody rings and he pretends to be an ape. He's just being a jerk. It is his role in this film. Now he's stealing soda pop. And he's going to get his just rewards when those blow up in his face because they're all shooken up. Now, the girlfriend's like, you're going too far. You can't just start stealing stuff. And Garrett, being the true jerk he is in this film, goes, hey, if you don't like it, honey, hit the road. Hit the road. Now, here comes Gwen and Robert. Of course, that's their their real-life name. Going, there's a thing. You got to do it. And they just, it doesn't come across. They don't really understand that there's danger. Now, Robert runs to call the sheriff. You see, he dialed zero for operator. Hey, I'm back. Garrett's busy looting. You know, I just realized that this is the second uh, comedy sequel to a horror movie that we've seen him in. Garrett. Chud 2, right. Right, because Chud 2 is played for laughs. I love that film. It was a great film, not just for your show. Oh, all right. Well, it's good to know. Have you ever seen the original Cannibalistic Humanoids Underground Dwellers? Nope. Well, that's nope. a different, completely like many different... things in this world, I only, you know, you tell me a movie, uh-huh. I start watching. Which, by the way, I have a movie picked for next week. Great. Yeah, you already announced what it was last week, so it's not really a surprise to any of our lesser listeners. All right, so say it. Oh, no. I'm going to wait till the end. You got to wait till the end. Well, because I also want to talk about some exciting news for our show, which you're going to have to wait till the end. Or I'll say it right now. Check us out live. Come come be an audience member to our show. We're part of the 5th Annual Muni Radio Comedy Festival happening March 1st to March 7th, 2020, right here in our performance space in our studios. Uh, in the Mission District at uh, 2781 21st Street. Don't come now, but... Don't uh, come now. Yeah, and I believe Carl will be here in person. We're going to be doing I will. T- two one-hour shows. Uh, we're going to watch an old, like, 40-minute films, and uh, we're also going to have comedians from the festival join us, Carl, so they'll be... I think Perfect. Pam wants to have two other comedians with us, so it'll be a full okay. house. And we, we've done this last year uh, with Carl on the phone, uh, we get our projection and we project the movie onto the wall. So you could be part of the studio audience as we live riff and talk about uh, movies. Uh, so that'll be and, that. And behind the scenes, I want to get with you about what are the films so I can be triple researched and sure. not reading pieces of paper. Yeah. Oh, don't worry about it. It'll, it'll be plenty of time. <laughs> I actually have to find like, I want to find a particularly like, notably good movie like I would like to do silent movies because they're easier to do in a live presence but I also want to do an interesting silent movie and not just you know well um the um Rat Think of Boo Boo wasn't silent it worked great yeah but that was a lot instrumental though it was mostly music 
The honking is outside the studio. There's nothing I can do about it. So I want you to know a couple things because you missed it, right? First yes. thing I want you to know is that we're they were getting, the car was getting blob washed, and they turned on the air conditioner by mistake, and it cooled off the car. And when it did, the blob receded. But they didn't put two and two together that cold is what makes the blob freak out. They will later in the film. So because Godfrey took it out of the freezer, and that's when all this fracas happened. Right. Fracas. <laughs> this for do. They're at the bowling alley roller rink. I'm at the bowling alley. Right, because alley. they heard that the sheriff the diner. was at the bowling alley. Oh, those guys are eating like having a Sunday hoedown. At the... He comes in there and goes, are you Bud Court? Are you Bud Court? No, I'm not I'm Bud Bobby. Court. No, I'm the extra that looks like Jonah Hill. Oh, right. they, they really <laughs> use the exterior of this bowling alley. This is back in the day when bowling alley had a diner and a bar and a fucking... Right. Roller ring? Uh, well, Mike, uh, today you yes. will still find that every single bowling alley has a bar. That's what bowling is about. Oh, right. They got to make their money somehow. You, you bring your kids to bowling, sure. Right. But most of the primary money of bowling Who is. Who the fuck are these guys? Have... Is someone playing piano in the back of a roller rink? Right. And they will be called into service because one of the bowling things is broken. Oh, no. Now, no one will get eaten by a blob. Hey, I just want to say, uh, Baba Booey, Baba Booey, he took the PA system. <laughs> so he takes the PA and he's like, everybody, you must leave here. You're in grave danger. And nobody listens to him. Seriously. Right. The guy eating with Bud Cord is the other Christian rock star. Oh, is it Cindy Williams guy? Uh, n no, it's another one. His name's Larry Norman. And he would be, um, you know, he's a singer-songwriter, but he's a record label owner and a record producer. And he was a pioneer of Christian rock, made over 100 Christian rock albums. Wow. Wait, over 100 Christian rock albums? How many yeah. Christian rock songs are there? That he produced, that he produced. Come on, man. Like, how many fucking rock songs are there in the world? How many Look, Christian rock songs are there? Do you see the cross on his did you see the cross on his shirt? Well, that explains it. Dun, dun, now, dun. Look who, owns, look who owns the bowling alley. Oh, look finally. At each other like, oh, finally great. tie this movie together. Sorry, folks, about that interruption on our public service announcement uh, system. Yeah. Apparently some maniac from 1972 took over the bowling alley announcement system. Now all is well. That's a guy named uh, Bill Koontz, and he went on to do nothing. This was his big... He's reading, what, Zen Buddhism book uh, while fixing a bowling pin? Hey, I need your help. Seven-ten splits in there. Star Trek, in Star Trek, they used to go into this tube and repair things. Uh -huh. And I always saw it as an angle in which they were up in the, like, up in the sky. But as I watched this thing, it looks the same. I think that they were laying down flat. It changes my whole Star Trek perspective. You think they were just fixing uh, bowling lanes? <laughs> yeah. Give me that. Hey, I need the nine pin. I'm trying to fix the, the eight pin. The guy reading the um, the Buddha book was uh, his name's Patrick McAllister, and and I, I don't know. Never mind. It's not interesting. <laughs> he also goes huh. on to do nothing. Well, let's see where we are in this movie. Oh, we still got a good chunk of change left. What we're going to really get here is, even though we might have a chunk of change, this is where we're going to stay. 
this bowling. Oh, the bowling alley is the big climax. Well, you said the roller rink is the ice skating rink is next door. Yes, and it's not opened yet. And when it opens, they're going to have free ice skating for three days, and then after that, they'll charge. But uh, wow, I never heard of that before. They keep on announcing it. He's getting blobbed, man. He's getting a he's getting a blob J right now. He's a blob, just sloppy blob J. So we uh, we grew up in a town called Montclair, New Jersey, is and uh, we did. They, Montclair had an ice skating rink, which became a yes. roller rink during the summer. Uh, yeah. Or conversely, a two-inch water league pool. As I wrote a, I wrote a joke saying the ice skating <laughs> rink during the summertime was a two-inch water league pool. I should do that joke again. And then waiting we, pool. Waiting pool. Thank you. No wonder that joke didn't fly. Uh, and then we also. But we're talking thirty years ago. Uh, there used to be a bowling alley in Montclair too. And I yeah. know that, that that no longer exists. That building is something else. But in the bowling alley itself, you walk in, there's the diner. There's the Army Recruitment Center. They used to call right. me. They in, would call me. Right. Hi, Mr. Spiegelman. This is the Army Recruitment Center at your local bowling alley. I'm just calling to confirm our appointment. What appointment? Oh, well, you know, yeah, I know you're a Boy Scout, so you should uh, So we got your name from. And we want you to be uh, come in. Got you scheduled. I'm not going to the bowling alley and recruitment station. You didn't go. No, I didn't go. My, I, I do apologize. But yeah, so then they had so the recruitment station, and then they had a bar, and then they had a fucking kick-ass like locker room, like men and women locker room, where you could take your shoes mm-hmm. off and put it in a locker. Like you got to keep that separated. And then they had bathrooms. I guess that's the reason why there were men and women uh, lockers, because the bathroom was up behind them. But that's no longer. Look at that miniature bowling alley being poured with goo being poured out of it. That's right. That's right. Now, of course, they're like, there's an alien monster who's eating. And, of course, the, the bowling uh, manager doesn't believe them because these are the two jerks who screwed yeah. up his car. He crushed their cord light beer. That's right. Ran right over it. <laughs> My Bud Light can't. He's really good. He's funny, and I I wish I, I don't know, for some reason I didn't catch him in my research. Why? Richard Stahl. Well, now we know the name will stick. Because he plays everything we've seen him in, and it's just you don't remember it. Yeah, it's like a character actor. And he goes, is this your doing? Everyone running away. (laughs) Like this guy wants to blame them for everything. See, this is so cheap. You knew there were stairs there. (laughs) Well. Oh. There's the sheriff. Richard Webb. Guess things are gone to shit. Oh, smile anyway. Hi, I'm the sheriff. Everything okay? Smile, smile, fake smile. There's a blob eating everyone. Fake smile. I see. see his cross, his Christian cross on his purple shirt. You the guy next to Bud Court? Yeah. Yeah, he was saved at this time. Beware. The saving. Oh, Bud Court in my... In my police station, he goes, oh, sir, I am actually not Bud Court. This guy's Bud Court in every way. You know what? He doesn't look like, well, I guess Bud Court grew up, I don't know, it's hard to say. He, like should, from, be, he should be Bud Goldman. This guy looks like a beast stung his upper lip. <laughs> he must have shaved. He must have had a mustache or something, and he shaved it off. And you, yeah. he's one of those guys were like, didn't you have a mustache, and you shaved it off? What? What? <laughs> Some people use beards um, as a crutch. Okay, here we go. Speaking of crutch. There, see the, church, the cross? Because he was Christian. Do you think that was the moment he got saved in real life when the blob ate him? 
yeah, it's like, boy, talk about like, <laughs> you know, the last second. Right. Oh yeah. I re I I love you, Jesus. Too late, says so Jesus. That cop you were talking about, right? His name's J.J. Johnson, and he was a theater and film actor, but really he was a boxing historian and writer. Oh, a boxing historian and writer, you say? Well, he was like an amateur boxer, and he just fell in love with the history of boxing. Sweet science. So he started, I mean, he was he was in Fatal Attraction, he was in JFK, he was in Mad Dog and Glory, but I'm saying yeah. he considers himself an author, not a actor. Yeah, calm down, good luck. There's a, There's a blob coming. Blob. Yeah. Everyone calls it the blob. Oh, that hefty bag knocked the shit out of him. That was a hefty bag, right? So yeah, clear. Here we go, another model. There's Arr. silicone. And then the worms ate into his brain. Brain. This looks like Pink Floyd the Wall. <laughs> <laughs> the blob's coming. Your mother never loved you. Your dad died in the war. Blah. Yeah, blah. You play fascist music and you hate women. Blah. Your, uh, your mother was controlling and your dad is missing. <laughs> blah. Tear down the blob. Tear down. The way you made them suffer, your exquisite blob and mother. <laughs> All right, so the, they, they're in the roller rink. No, they're in the ice rink. Now they're in the ice rink, and the they're in the booth, ice like rink. the hockey announcer kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, and they will, we will be terrified as the blob, you know, is encroaching and... Um, and this is now. Remember, I told you the air conditioner, right? Right. They didn't put two and two together, but they will now, and they will defeat the blob. Can you guess how? They're in an ice rink, and this thing was frozen right. in the beginning, so they're gonna. They're turn. in an ice rink uh -huh. that has not been defrozen yet. Finished yet? Yeah. Oh. This seems good. Just do what I tell you to do. All right. Get the players over on the far side there. Is there another? Is that another PA system right here? Oh, yes, and so they'll be able to speak to the cops outside, even though they're inside. Do you, th do you think Walker's like, "Hey guys," and this so I was like, "You got to speak directly into the mic." And he's like, "This is not the first time I use a PA system today. I think I know how to speak through a mic." That's <laughs> <laughs> my second public announcement. By the way, the African American uh, cop there yeah. is interesting. His name is Rockney Tarkagon. Tarkagon. Oh. But he was the first credited black actor to appear in Andy Griffin's show, and he was the only one to ever have a speaking part. Whoa. But he was also the lead role in Black Samson, 74. Oh, yeah. And the last thing interesting I plucked out for Mike Spiegelman is he was in National Lampoon's Movie Madness, 1983. Which we watched And that was the show. second film from the magazine. It was a legit National Lampoon-made movie. Huh. Well, he's Not really funny. Not a fun. licensed name. He's really funny in this movie. Like, the the other sheriff tells him to, like, burn down the uh, place. He's like, no. Like, it's a very, <laughs> yeah, like, right. dry look to it. Uh, Remember he told him to wait in the coffee shop? Yeah. Right. He comes in and he almost shoots the sheriff. And then the sheriff goes, would you just, just wait in the coffee shop? I remember he was in the coffee shop and he was contemplating 
contemplating stealing from the register, and he was laughing at himself. Do you remember? Yeah, it's pretty funny stuff. I think his line on the Andy Griffith show is, excuse me, how do I get the hell out of Mayberry? <laughs> Begging your pardon, sir. Uh, that uh, way, listen, I'd like way? to speak to something about that. I just uh, was, you know, the Phantom Menace, the Star Wars number one. Oh, episode one? There was that Jar Jar Binks character, right? Yeah. And people were like, he was racist. He was sort of like an early... Um, the early portrayal of, of black people in blackface and stuff. Right. And I remember thinking, well, that's a bit of a stretch. So I was flipping channels, and, and it went on to that movie, and he goes, see, Mr. Booster Booster. And I was like, holy cow, they're 100% right. Yeah. This movie should be banned. Well, he, he also, like, don't forget in that movie, I think Anakin Skywalker, the little boy, Jake Lloyd, he was yeah. a slave to, like, this... Jewish uh, uh, Italian flying bug with a big nose and right. talks about money for all the time, and then you have oh, the yellow was... menace characters too. I mean, it's he. It's it's always been based on movie serials, which I don't think a lot of people realize that because I think the generation of Star Wars fans now did not grow up with access to these serials. Yeah. So these serials did have these these tropes, these caricatures, and I think he was just playing off of that. I don't think it was. He shouldn't have done it. Like he's not racist or something. It's he just was, a childhood he vision. He thought he was doing an homage. Oh, here's a great thing, kids. By the way, as parents, we got to tell you, don't do this at home. He took a cord, electrical cord, yanked it off a phone, pulled the bare wires, and now he's going to plug yeah. it in. Oh, everything's fine. Everything's gonna okay. Shock it. Just like um, Breaking Bad. Oh, really? He did that in Breaking Bad? There's a scene in which he's uh, he's he's trapped. He's uh, tied up with this like plastic plastic uh, handcuff, and he does that. He goes to the coffee machine, breaks it off, and sort of it hurts him, but he melts away his uh, handcuff. Here it is. Here it is. He goes, "Go wait in the coffee shop, would you?" Oh, shit, I missed it. And and he doesn't mind because he's such a crazy cat. Oh well, he was shooting at him. He was gonna, but so was the sheriff. Yeah. Oh, okay, so damn. They never put two and two. Okay, this is a very funny scene, too, in which he contemplates stealing the money, and he goes, no, no, I can't do that. And then he laughs at himself for even thinking it. There he goes. You hear the goofy music. This music's adorable. He sees all the money, and he closes it. Now he's going to One of the best scenes in this whole thing. All right, so we're fans of this movie. Uh, I think that we're fans of this movie. At least right. I am. Okay. So okay, now the boxing historian is going to get his. Is that the boxing historian, the one in the blue vest? No, that is Robert Webb. Okay. Who... We'll go, go on later. This guy. That's no, the guy. that is the boxing historian. Okay, that's who I need to know. Yeah. All right, Blob. I know you're a piece of uh, felt paper. I don't know what the fuck. Now, there's another uh, deputy named Sid Haig, which I really didn't mention to you. I haven't seen him, but he just died. I mean, yeah, it was Sid. September of 2019. 
Yeah, he well, he's he's probably most recently best known for uh, Devil's Reject and House of a Thousand Corpses, and they did a third movie. Rob, the Rob, Rob Zombie. Uh, zombie film. Yeah. yeah, they had another like Birds of Prey or some shit like that. I don't know if you've seen those movies, but the second movie, and I would love to spoil the ending, the 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 villains get shot to shit by uh, uh-huh. feds. They're driving their car right into a hailstone of bullets, and and the movie ends with them slow motion getting smacked, you know, by bullets galore. But apparently, mm-hmm. they survived, and there's a there was another movie. So now I have to watch another ninety five minutes about these fuckers. So I I should see it, but Sid Haig's in that one too. Sid Haig is terrific in those movies. He's really he comes mm-hmm. off creepy. No no shit. Yeah, I've seen him in a lot of films. He shows up in Kill Bill too. He's the bartender. At Michael Manson's strip club in the in New Orleans, remember he meets that biker guy, who's all. No, wait, like, wait. I'm sorry, I gotta interrupt you. See, you see the ice, ice has fallen on the blob and it begins to retract. Oh. And now Robert Wagner puts two and two. Robert Wagner. Name. Walker. Right. Robert Walker, Paul Walker. Who's Charlie X in Star Trek, puts he, two and two together. He looks like, I can't believe he had such a distinguished career by the time he got to this point because he does look like a freshly scrubbed kid in this film. Oh, here yeah, we go. This he is, does, but you're right. On I mean, inside. Here we go. This he is with Walter Matthau, John Wayne. Yeah. He was on Star Trek. I want you to get all the gasoline you can. Put See, on all the flares. They're going to burn down the bowling alley. No look, exactly look at the, the wrong thing the place to down. do. I can't take yeah, any chances. Right, the opposite. It's fire. Right. Look at and this guy. That, yes, sir. Larry, Larry Hagman, or whoever wrote this, they really missed an opportunity, a dramatic opportunity, to be about to do exactly the wrong thing. Right. But instead, okay, so Charlie X, Robert here, um, used to be an acrobat in another life before he was in film. And so he said to Larry Hagman, I want to do my own stunt. They, they were like, you can't do your own stunt. <laughs> and, but in the end, he won. This is, it's not a stunt man. It's him doing all these, I wouldn't call them acrobatics, but. Still, it's pretty bizarre stuff. So right now he's, he has his own stunt. That's right. Now what they, he's going to swing like Prince, like uh, Princess Leia and, and, and uh, Luke. See? <laughs> I get it. You're Cindy Williams and you're bitter you didn't get the role. Just let it go. <laughs> wow. So he did that on his own in a fucking, what a weird stunt. Right. And he's doing this on his own. Yeah. Well, you got to be muscular. What they're trying to do is turn on the ice skating rink. But to do that, he's got to go flip the switch on the wall and put himself in blobby mortal danger. He's climbing a rope. That's not a stunt, man. I can't that do that shit. I can't even hold a rope without losing my breath. <laughs> that looks easy like oh i'll just scurry up the rope and then you're like oh my god i'm an american ninja warrior i can't fucking do it yeah actually th- i've been in situations like that in real life in which something looks like oh i'll just hop the fence or yeah like that <laughs> you and then you go to do it and you're like oh this isn't tv oh i have a great story a guy was doing a youtube video and he wanted me to climb out the window of his bathroom and climb on his roof and i couldn't you know my fat ass couldn't even get out the window and I got scraped by a rusty nail and I kind of got mm. punctured and everything. So I went to the doctor to follow up with a tetanus shot. And the doctor said, 
oh, thank God you came. Your high, your blood pressure is insane. We got to get you a medication. Right. Good thing you came. Wow. So the tetanus shot. I had a tetanus shot. I was fine, but uh, that stun has now got me on uh, high blood pressure medication. So there we go. Gotcha. But I think it was like, it quite by accident. Yeah, I think the doctor. Listen, let me tell laugh. you what should happen right now in this movie, right? Yeah. He should fall and die. He should die by when he's clicking the switch to make it cold. He should sacrifice his life to save everybody. But I didn't write this film. Yeah. Well, I mean, it takes a certain kind of genius to write this film. Right. <laughs> what the blob too? See now he turns. Do you know what I mean? It should be at a point in which the blob is directly under it, and he realizes the only way that I can turn on that switch is to die. And he loves his girlfriend, right? And so he does it. You know what I mean? Right, because people died in this movie, so it wouldn't be the first death, and it would be a noble right. death. That's what the film's all about is right. Horror. Oh wow, that was quick. Wee, 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 wee. How'd they do that? What they that? did was a stop, uh, not stop motion. Uh, is that what it called? Yes. Yeah, yeah, stop. Stop. stop what they did is they took white spray paint, and they would they sprayed it, and then they took a picture, and they sprayed more, and they took a picture. Right. And it looked like it froze over. And then director Larry Hagman stood above it and went, nipping in the fumes. Yeah, yeah, right. Even took the That's the reason why he's wearing an eye patch. The fuse got to his eyes. Now, listen. I told you I was a fan uh, of uh, Dallas, the the reboot, in which he died during it. Yeah, that's right. And, Larry Hagman passed away. Okay, there's Preston Hag Preston Hagman right now. He's like, somebody get me a light. Somebody get me a light. And remember, Preston lit right. the campfire. He's a Boy Scout. Thank so, you, thank son. You, son. I burn things. And he goes, my dad's the director. <laughs> you do what I want. My favorite movie and is called Burning. He goes, after it's done, he goes, may I have my lighter back? It says Preston uh, engraved on it. Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> didn't even work See, with the zip in the end, they didn't even use the lighter. Well, you know, also everything is one take, so they didn't have time to. Now, here's some drama. He comes out and stops him. You but idiot. I tell you, they missed an opportunity there. Right. Well, you get this great analogy, too, like fire being wrong and that's hell and ice and being compassionate and cool. Robert Frost poem. It is? Uh, you never heard of Fire and Ice by Robert Frost? No, but don't you think it's ironic his name is Frost? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. But if, if he had only written that poem... I know his Bianca spray. I don't think I am familiar with his poetry. You know the Bianca Black? <laughs> the, the Nobody frost. listening to the show will get that. <laughs> I know the Frost the Gov. It's really good. It's okay, experiment. so it goes, some say the world will end in fire, some say ice. From what I've tasted of desire, I go with those who favor fire. But if it had to happen twice, I think that ice is also great and would suffice. Thank you, Robert. Also, he had a penis so long he could suck it. Good night. <laughs> Put it in his ear and fuck it. <laughs> Robert Frost, the first limerick 
I first experimented with the limerick form. I the man from the Nantucket. As poet laureate of Massachusetts, I needed a way to express <laughs> the people. <laughs> As poet laureate of Massachusetts. <laughs> Nantucket's in not Massachusetts, right? Nantucket. Nantucket is in, isn't it in? Yeah, it's somewhere in New I, England. I guess I don't know. Google will tell us. I think it is in, certainly in New England. Yeah. I thought it was like so, a Cape right. Well, Cape, as, no, as New England Poet yeah. Laureate, I wanted to <laughs> express the people of Nantucket. Okay, so all of a sudden, uh, the sheriff... He's taking credit for it. Right. And he says, let the camera people in. Let them. Oh, all right. Seventies cameraman with the lights and the... And there's Preston, Preston sneaking in. Dad. His dad. Dad, is this movie over yet? Dad. Oh, wow. That's a lot of white spray paint. It's kind of dizzy in here. This is there's how babies myth. are born. You see the lava seeds the pods. So this is all frozen blob. Frozen blob, which doesn't make sense because look at the shapes. The blob wasn't all. Well, maybe it makes sense. I the don't blob know. had some lumps. Those are lumpy blob. Lumpy blob. He's getting a blob job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's your favorite part of the movie where the guy gets a blob job? I, I don't think it's my favorite part, but uh, I, I actually there, didn't think of that until we were watching. <laughs> Just right here to fill in. Sheriff Jones, would you step over this way, please, a moment? I, th I think it's, I'm sure I've I don't know, there he is with the, with the main Star Trek player from the original series, and she's going to give birth to Chris Pine, and nobody knows that or anything. It's just weird how the All right. world works. Okay, now, in movies, what happens is the third act comes, and you have the race or the contest or the match, and your hero win, loses, or draws, but it's over. And then there's one last surprise contest that you didn't expect if, at if, the end of the movie. Especially if it's a horror movie sequel, you have to set it up. But I'm just saying that that is what they set up to do here, but they didn't beat the blob a second time, which is what the movie rules say you're supposed to do. Well, the couple anyway, are together. I think there's some movie rules. The couple is together. The sheriff takes credit. The camera, look at the fucking lighting is so bad. Why would you leave a light on a fucking frozen blob? <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, wait, the light on the light frozen blob is heating the blob. That's right. And there's a blob. Oh, no. Is he going to say the end with the question mark? Because I think this is going to be the end with the question mark. That's 100% correct. Oh my God! Look, a cop's getting jelly on his shoes. Donut jelly. Now he's a blowhard right now. The look on his face is is priceless. It was. It's a catchy and what's the name? Mitchy catchy. It's a kind of cutesy ending, but it's okay. All right. Well, I guess you're saying the film's about to end right now. I think you know it. Greatest. Yes. Some really blowhard cop. And he goes, 
Oh, boy. Oh, freeze frame. <laughs> the end. The end. Oh, it's written in blob font. That's blob font at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, we thank Larry Hagman. Thanks you for watching. <laughs> On behalf of Troop 409732 and 109, we want to thank you. Now, when Larry Hagman died, uh, there was all sorts of write-ups about him yeah. and his time on Dallas. And one of the things that was so great is he was such a hippie all the way to the end. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. He is a total hippie. And this was shot in Hippie, California, fucking 71. Yep, that's so, right. Carl, what you do like this movie? I asked you in the middle of this film. And yeah, I think that this film is a lot of fun, and I think it's perfect for your show because there's so much to talk about. There's so many hidden stars in here that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, for a movie riff, you're not supposed to riff comedies because they're very funny or they're trying to tell the same jokes. But I, I like this one a lot. I, I did read about this back in the day because it was a, a curio that this uh, television actor directed a film that happened to be yeah. a sequel to The Blob. But it was good. I like that film. So, yeah, check it out. It's on YouTube. And uh, if you want to check out more films directed by Larry Hagman, you just have to watch this one. And then you're done. Yeah, that's right. You never made another movie. (laughs) never directed another film. Uh, Next week's film, we did bring it up last week. We are going to be watching Lost Angels from 1989. Uh, I read a book called uh, BC Boys Book. Where the two surviving members of the BC Boys do a retrospective of their of their their careers, and at one point Adam Horowitz mentions that when the band kind of went their separate ways, he made this movie, and he says, uh, whatever format you can see it on YouTube, Facebook, whatever's new now, don't watch this movie. And I said, oh God, <laughs> now I got to see this movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> so this movie is an hour and fifty-five minutes. So we're definitely going to be pulling a long one next week. Oh wow! But wow. let's let's Holy listen cow. to the trailer. I see a trailer from Lost Angels, nineteen eighty-nine, courtesy of Trailer Food. I'm going to play that one. Oh no, no, I'm not. I'm going to play the other one uh, by Germ Buff fourteen. So I don't know if you want to watch it with me, Carl. But I'm going to go ahead and play it. We can at least hear I the do, audio. I do, and I'm trying to find the one here. Yeah, type in Lost Angels 1989 trailer. Lost Angels uh, 19. And audience, we want to thank you so much for subscribing and listening to our show and checking us out on Twitter at LWAFLMOYT as well as our YouTube channel, our uh, podcast feeds. And we're also on Facebook as Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube. All right, did you get it? Yes, it is by Jem. What'd you say? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Uh, and Let's get ready to brumba. I'm not staying here, you know. I just started. I didn't count it down. All right. Mike. All right, in three, two, one. you, But I see you in person. I'm not staying here, you know. They can't do this to us. You might try just a little harder to understand our position. Oh, terrible. I mean, it's got to be illegal or something. Every time I get a phone call about you, it's trouble. Let the run the MP move. Until you're 18, anything at all they want to do to you is legal. Are you bringing a complaint against your son for illegal possession of a weapon? This kid needs a year in juvenile hall. That's the only thing that's going to straighten him out. That's a great dad. What is the matter with you people? There's a human being here. How is that? real. Donald Sutherland. He's in trouble. Stephen King. He's your child. Same face is here. 
That's a great sound, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Do, 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 do. It's nice. Your mother and I, now, we, we both know how easy it is to fall into the wrong crowd. You're loyal, huh? That's a good quality. Are you sure they're worth it? Not me. So you just said. Yeah. They took the, the Beastie Boys is the place to belong somewhere. No, this is between albums. I think this was after Paul's Boutique, but before their other one, before they went all LA, right. and he yeah, made this Paul's movie. Paul's Boutique was not. Uh, They're in Brooklyn. Well taken, uh, even though. Yeah. You know, because they had that huge record, and then. Well, they were they were it. they were party animals, and then they came out with an album which was you know kind of sampling and weird, and people said, okay, that's their second album. Anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about that's our movie next week, Lost Angels. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw the trailer with us, but there was the freeway exit for Los Angeles, and then you could <laughs> clearly hear spray paint on somebody. I don't know, using a drone, flew up to the sign. And spray painted T on Lost, and then spray painted the E off of second E off of Los Angeles, and then, so you got angels, lost angels. So there you go. It's a rich Los Angeles teenager going to a nut house, and that's next week's movie. So we would love for you to check it out. Please tell your friends, subscribe to our show, and not listen. We just that's all we give a shit about. And uh, we, not true. Not true. And I, I should also mention a couple of things real fast. If you are an, if you own an iPhone, first off, fuck you. But congratulations, you can now can check out our free Muni Radio app on iTunes, and you can listen to the stream the podcast. You could, uh, you could pick our podcast. You can listen to the station which streams twenty four seven. If you have an iPhone, check out our new app, Muni Radio. Muni Radio is doing its annual. Uh, fundraiser and we have a GoFundMe page for Mutiny right. Radio so please go there we're no longer using PayPal we are using Venmo if you'd like to just go to Venmo and give us a couple bucks that would be great and that is uh, our Mutiny Radio is our Venmo name and uh, you know if you want to be a, uh, go to your Amazon and send Mutiny Radio toilet paper do that 
But uh, help That'd us out nice. here during our fundraiser. And we're very excited to be doing our live show in, in March with Carl here in the studio. Uh, we'll have a live audience and two comedians, and we'll be watching movies. And then on Saturday, we are doing two more live shows, but Carl will be on the phone for that one. So we're doing four shows for the festival where you, the audience, can come. So we've got a lot of great stuff. So uh, keep supporting us here in 2020. Carl, thank you so much. What a great movie. What a... Great yeah. experience, and may Agreed. we never speak of this movie again. <laughs> thank you, Michael. All right, and thank you, audience. We'll see you next okay. week. Bye. Bye. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Friend, I wrote this song. Uh, my turn ons are satin sheets and lace champagne tickles my nose. I love to paint outdoors. Listen, you should follow me on Twitter. It's jokes to Carl, the French duh, not the oh, Let's watch a full length movie on YouTube with more. It's your boy Sifo here, here to let you know that the 5th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is March 1st through 7th. 2020 with special podcasts and comedy shows 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week. Get your tickets now on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comics from all over the U.S. coming for 66 programs in seven days all here at 2781 21st Street in the heart of the mission. Or if you can't be with us, listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at www.mutinyradio.fm Join us March 1st to 7th for these amazing events. What kind of a future? Law Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear, too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Davis, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Chromatic Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 95834. San Francisco Mutiny Radio San Francisco Mutiny Radio Listen to live streaming radio Or download a podcast And you can listen on the go Listen to live streaming radio Or download a podcast And you can San Francisco Mutiny Radio San Francisco Mutiny Radio MutinyRadio.fm Why not make a donation? MutinyRadio.fm Streaming live the station MutinyRadio.fm
District of the Mission. MutinyRadio.fm. MutinyRadio.fm. Listen to live streaming radio or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. Look, why not go to MutinyRadio.fm? Hit the donate button, stream them live, download a podcast, have some fun! Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... Uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch What's happening? This is your boy, Rob Edwards. I'm here to tell you about the 5th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's March 1st through the 7th, 2020, with special podcasts and comedy shows 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week long. Get your tickets on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comments from all over the U.S. Coming for 66 programs in seven days, all here at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission, or listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at mutinyradio.fm. Join us March 1st through the 7th for these amazing events. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Well, shit. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke 
workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Venice. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk, MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at Subliminal SF dot myshopify.com that's subliminal sf dot myshopify.com and experience subliminal sf tired of paying too much for your internet contracts and hidden fees got you down Tired of supporting the same big cable companies that lobby against a free and open internet? Get Monkey Brains! Monkey Brains is a local internet provider who doesn't sell your data, bind you down with contracts, or trick you with hidden monthly fees. We're honest, local, and 100% net neutral. Residential internet for only $35 a month, business packages starting at $75 a month, Go to monkeybrains.net and sign up today.
Asiento. Asiento. Take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas, and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket, March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They're very nice. Asiento. El Rio began her life in 1978 as a leather Brazilian gay bar. We are an LGBTQ plus space who is welcoming to all good people. We actively invest in communities to promote social change. We actively invest in our local arts and music scene to give space for artists. We actively pursue underserved communities in the use of our space. We are an awesome supporter of the 5th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, hosting an incredible offside show. Wednesday, March 4th, 9 to 11 p.m. with LGBTQ plus and allied comics. So come out to 3158 Mission Street at Cesar Chavez, San Francisco. It's open every day at 2 p.m. with an incredible back patio. El Rio is your dive. Welcome to Spiritual Psychology with Renee McKenna. I'm a therapist and healer here in San Francisco. And if you want real change on a soul level, you've come to the right place. start <laughs> well so do you introduce yourself in the beginning yeah of the show? so welcome to scotch talks podcast this is your host scotch um with us today is a good friend of mine renee mckenna hi scott hey welcome happy to be here yeah happy to have you <laughs> um i'm not sure what to talk about where to start um well we were just talking about intentions right yes so, and I have a lot of areas of my life, and I think that the easiest way to tie them all together is through this intention-setting work that I did years ago through this book called The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. It's by Stephen Covey, and um, it's one of the most powerful spiritual books that I know written in the guise of a business literature. Mm. It's really um, amazing. Okay. And one of the exercises in that book is to write a personal mission statement. And I've had the opportunity to start quite a few businesses, many of which have failed. And, um, <laughs> and um, 
and it's nice to start a mission to have a mission statement in when you have an organization because mm -hmm. then you can kind of determine the actions that you're going to take and you can run them against the mission statement because the mission statement doesn't change it's kind of like the core like why the intention right mm -hmm. and so Kobe suggests that you write a personal mission statement and which is like an intention and so my mission statement that came out of that work was to use all of my gifts and talents for the benefit of the most people and myself. Actually, originally it wasn't and myself. In the last few years, I've added myself into that, um, which feels really important. Can you just say that one more time? Using all of my gifts and talents for the benefit of the most people and myself. Okay. And do you go into every single situation with that in mind? Do you bring that up? I wish that I was conscious enough to think <laughs> about it all the time. Although on a regular basis, I do think about it. And it has become kind of a working part of who I am as a person now. Mm -hmm. And well, I mean, it, it fits with my personality because I'm a very extroverted group crowd kind of person. I'm mm -hmm. a service oriented person. I love to do stuff for other people. Um, I've, you know, the pathological side of that is that I'm a codependent and I can care more about caring for other people than I do for myself. Mm -hmm. But you know, the, the healthy, I think, um, the higher resonance of that is that I can do a lot of good in the world. Mm. And so, and adding myself into the equation actually cancels out the codependent piece, the pathological piece, because if I'm involved, if it's just all about you, it's a way to escape myself. Mm. But if I include myself in the equation, then the equation tends to be more balanced. Yeah. Is my experience. Nice. So, I mean, I, you know me, I can just talk. So <laughs> <laughs> how, um, how that play, how that has played out for me is, you know, I have had, I had, I like to call it the burden of potential and <laughs> right. And you know, I had a lot of different things that I was good at as a kid in school coming up. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I was good at art. I, um, was good at science. I got the highest chemistry mark and as a senior in high school in my, in my town, which was a pretty big town. Um, I'm really good with people. I was in student government. I was president of my senior class. And, and so there was a lot of variant ways I could go. Did I want to become someone in the medical community or in, in environmental science? Did I want to become a politician? Did I want to be an artist? I, I loved literature. I, I actually became an English major in college. So the hard thing for me, you know, my parents told me, you can be anything you want. But the hard thing was like, I had so many fucking things that I possibly could have done. I couldn't make up my mind. Yeah. Right. So after high school, I took a gap year and went and worked in a factory because I didn't know what to do. What? Yeah. I didn't know this. Yeah. So... Um, which was really, it was a really instructive experience. It was a really instructive experience on a lot of levels because, so the company that I worked for was particular, it was a Jewish owned company, um, a conservative Jewish owned company. And the two men who had started the company had tattoos from the Holocaust on the arms. They escaped the camps oh my um, God. at the age of 20 and came to America and started a business. Wow. And most of the people who worked there were Jewish immigrants. It was kind of like the UN. It was very interesting. Yeah. All the people that worked in the office, 
Uh, I mean, eventually they all spoke English, they all spoke Yiddish, which is how they connected with each other at, conservative, at the conservative temple. And um, so there was people from Poland, and there was people from Germany, and there was people from, so they were from all over the world. And um, it was interesting because the, the, the production, all the people in the production department were from Puerto Rico, and all the people down in the shipping department were all from the Philippines. Oh, and, wow. um, yeah, it was interesting. And I was the goyim that worked at front. I was the girl, the white girl, the non-Jewish girl, the goyim. Um, that worked. <laughs> girl, he would call me, girl, call that man. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was a really, it was a really, really interesting experience to work for, you know, they all kept kosher and we kept the Jewish holidays and, um, wow. yeah, it was a super dysfunctional family business, but, uh, <laughs> but I learned a lot about Judaism and a lot about, and a lot about that I didn't want to work in a family.